Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Richard! Richard! Oh, are we on? Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Okay, I, I can't. I can't even. Just listening to the news. So Ford takes the Minister of Long-Term Care, where thousands of elderly people were abused and neglected and died a horrible death, isolated, lonely. And so finally now, here in the uh, the 11th hour, he fires her and he makes her Minister of Children. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I wouldn't trust this woman to hold on to a bag of hockey pucks. Again, living in a Monty Python sketch. Oh, well. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Anyway, we're uh, heading into a Father's Day weekend. Can we still celebrate Father's Day? You know, because it's Canada and it's 2021 and they're canceling Canada Day festivities all over the damn place. And Victoria Day is probably on the way out. And, you know, I just figured... You know, the woke mob would object to Father's Day because it's celebrating the, the patriarchy and uh, fatherhood is racist. I'm sure if they look long and hard, they'll find some racist undertones to fatherhood. But actually, the, the more I think of it, the left woke mob are generally pretty lazy. So they'll probably they probably won't look long and hard, which means I guess Father's Day is a safe, at least for now. Whew, that was close. Anyway, um, and I. I have a regret. I wish I had never allowed my boys to watch Austin Powers 3, Goldmember. Do you remember Goldmember? Have you seen that, Jody? Uh, with a Dutch accent, 
the villain, gold member. He's Dutch, right? He has this wonderful Dutch accent and he keeps saying Fajer instead of father. And so now that's all my boys call me. It's Fajer. Oh, Fajer. Not dad, not pops, not father. It's Fajer until the end of time. And that'll probably be on my grave marker. Here lies Fajer. Damn you, Mike Myers. All right. Uh, a week ago or so, I mentioned this horrible, toxic individual, Dr. Aruna Kilanani. She's a certified psychiatrist uh, who is in desperate need of a psychiatrist or some sort of therapy, uh, by all accounts. She recently addressed the Yale Medical School in a Zoom call and started talking about, she said this out loud, folks. She fantasized about shooting any white person who got in her way, emptying her revolver into that person's head. And then how how good it would feel and how she would uh, walk away feeling very little or no remorse, feeling that she had done the world a good turn. Now, she's doubled down on that. And recently she was interviewed on Al Jazeera's English TV channel and she tripled down. And I'll play a snippet from that interview and I'll talk about it with Carly Nation, host of Media Nation right here on Saga 960. Well, this is interesting. Very, very interesting. A high-ranking Chinese defector working with the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency has, according to one report, quote, direct knowledge of China's bioweapons program. And, folks, it's very, very bad. Jennifer Van Lahr is the managing editor of Red Star, uh, Red State, sorry, Red State. It's a conservative uh, political blog. She does some great work, some great investigative pieces, and she broke this story, and she'll join me later this hour. I'm just wondering if we can connect the dots all the way up to Winnipeg and our own little lab incident. The city council in Kingston voted uh, to take down a statue of its most famous citizen. No, I'm not talking about Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip, but uh, the father of our country, Sir Johnny MacDonald. And, of course, earlier this year, the city of Regina voted to do the same. And recently, a mob of vandals defaced and then toppled a statue of Egerton Ryerson at the University of Ryerson. Uh, statues of the uh, the avowed ra- uh, fascist, that avowed fascist Winston Churchill have also been defeated. Or, sorry, defaced and toppled. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't Churchill help to defeat fascism? I thought, we, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a minor detail. Anyway, the question is, in my mind, who is next? What about a statue of Pierre Trudeau? Didn't he want to assimilate the First Nations people? Wasn't he like in his late 40s, uh, you know, dating an 18 year old with some mental health issues? What do we we call that? Isn't there a word for that anyway? That's for another time. But uh, weren't residential schools still operating when Pierre was prime minister? And what about a statue of Tommy Douglas, often cited as the, the greatest Canadian? Go look up his uh, master's thesis at the uh, University of Toronto or wherever they're uh, housing it these days. Tommy was in favor of eugenics. He wanted to sterilize people with low IQ and low moral standards, you know, in order to improve the, uh, the human gene pool. Sounds rather Hitlerian, doesn't it? And what about the statue of the late uh, Jack Layton down by the Toronto Ferry Terminal? He's white. He's dead. And I'm sure if we look hard enough, we'll find something uh, a little shady in his past. The point is, you know, where does this end? Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun joins me in hour two to discuss. And finally, just in time for Father's Day, a powerful new film 
about fatherlessness, homelessness, hopelessness, street gangs, prison, and finally redemption. It's called The Streets Were My Father. And I'll speak to the executive producer of that film, Lee Habib. He's our featured guest on today's program. Now, here's a man voted Holton Region's favorite dad seven years in a row, Lou Skeezus. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, thanks, Richard. Yeah, that's a little known fact. And thanks for sharing it with your listeners. You it's know? true. It is a little known fact because <laughs> I, I made it up. But, you know, now everyone knows. I'm well, voting for everyone you. Everyone knows now that you're qualified to be an elected official. What, because I lied? Well, you know, you're making stuff up as oh, you go right. along. Nice going, baby. <laughs> I knew you were good. I just didn't know you were this good. So That was smooth, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't even blush. Or... You would get my vote, Lou. You're a great father. You're a tremendous father. I love being a father, right? I mean, you know, it was either it was either that or have a lot of other issues, right? Right, right. But the you know, greatest like, job. You, know, you get married, your your bride, your spouse, your the woman you're dating at the time tells you she wants to uh, be married and she wants to have children. Well, that was the deal, right? Right, right. I couldn't waste this this woman's time, right? I exactly. had to give her what she wanted. Now, however, every time she's looking for a writer on that contract, I said, I delivered on the two things that you wanted. All this other <laughs> stuff is not recognized. Do you understand me? Boy, you're such a literalist, right? To the letter of the, 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 the contract. Well, you know, I mean, the spirit of the contract. You wanted two things that were important to you. You wanted to be married. You wanted to have children. I did my yeah, job. You delivered. You're done. That's right. And, you know, taking care of Madeline, I couldn't be happier. Right. Exactly. Providing she's turned her, out pretty well. She's turned well, out pretty well. She was an, a unique individual. Right. As we all are. But, you know, she's uh, you know, she's always been focused on what she wanted. My only job to protect her, provide for her and prepare her for the life that she wanted. So great job for me. You were talking about all these statutes. If we have time. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, when I hear these things, and it's appalling, there's no two ways about it, but I have an idea. Have okay. you ever been to Las Vegas, Nevada? Oh, many times. Okay. Have you been to the um, the sign museum? All the signs from the casinos that were taken down for new casinos, and they put them in a sign park? No, I've never been. I've never been yeah. to that. I'd like to go, though. Yeah, you know, those a sign big, museum. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, the you know, the cowboy saying, come yeah. on in, right? From the Golden Nugget. That's right. Right. That's right. So those have been put in a, a secure area. And I think people are allowed to go through and view the, the history of the signs in Las Vegas. So take all these statues. Don't beat them up. Just put them into a secure area, you know, a fenced enclosure. And if people want to go in, you know, they're going to have to pay for it. They're going to have to identify themselves, just like going to Disneyland. I suspect that's probably what 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 will happen, Lou. That, that's probably what will happen. Well, yeah, that's a but, good idea. Well, Get it'll, on it. you know, it's like going into the wild and taking the last, you know, I don't know, a, a rare species like the pygmy hippo or something. And before it goes extinct, you take it out of the wild and you put it in captivity, you know, so that nothing untoward happens to it. It's not taken down by poachers. So maybe that's what we have to do. We have to rescue these statues before they're toppled and defaced by vandals and place them in a proper setting in a museum. Yeah, well, some kind of protected area, right? And, you know, unlike the pygmy uh, hippo that, you know, you might get a breeding uh, program going, it's not going to happen with the statues. Right, 
That's they right. It doesn't work that, that way. Ab- they don't have it that ability. It does not work that way. Um, Jody, can I play this very quickly? I'm, I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of this later with uh, Carlene Nation in a moment. But this is uh, uh, this complete nutter, uh, Dr. Aruna Kilanani, uh, speaking on Al Jazeera English TV uh, recently. Have a listen. There are no good apples out there. White people make my blood boil. When you say there are no good apples out there, uh, yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what kind of claim are you making? I'm talking about people have this idea that um, racism is something that if you're consciously racist or if you're a Klan member, and I'm sort of making the claim that racism is something that is unconscious and it is actually in everyone and everyone uses these words systemic. They're like, you know, I, I, you, I'm, I know that racism is systemic. And yet individually, when you call them out, they'll, they'll be like, well, it's not me. You can't say that. And so there's a disconnect between use of the word systemic and saying that racism is everywhere. But the moment you point it out individually, there's sort of people disown their own violence and racism. Would it be fair to say, based on your expertise, that white people are psychopathic? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's many lies that and I didn't get to that part because what I delivered was only um, part of a first series of talks. But the way the level of lying that white people do that has started since colonialism, we're just used to it. We can leave it right sure. there. That's every good. time that so, you. So here um, she is saying that we're all white people are pathological liars. This is the same woman, you know, who fantasized about uh, emptying a revolver into any white person. I guess that would include a child who crossed her path. And then she's allowed to address the Yale Medical School with this nonsense. I'll, I'll speak with uh, Carlene Nation about this. Uh, a little bit later. Well, that sounds uh, like you have a pleasant afternoon schedule. Oh, it's all Skittles and rainbows on the Richard oh, Serrett show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I mean, there's all kinds of crazy people with degrees. I'd like to check which degree, which institution gave her a degree. I think that would be a telling right, you know, right. uh, part of the dossier. Well, I think, you know, some psychiatrists and psychologists get that degree so that they can actually, you know, figure out what's wrong with themselves. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that going around, Richard. There's no two ways about it. Do we have time? Or Jody, how much time do we have left? No time, Richard. I got to go. We're waving bye-bye. We're going to do go. German word of the day in the second hour, my friend. Can't wait. Happy capitalism. All right. Happy capitalism. All right. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about Dr. Aruna Kilanani and... Uh, Carling Nation joins us next. Stay with us. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. There are no good apples out there. White people make my blood boil. When you say there are no good apples out there, uh, yeah. what do you what do you, what kind of claim are you making? I'm talking about people have this idea that um, racism is something that if you're consciously racist or if you're a Klan member, and I'm sort of making the claim that racism is something that is unconscious and it is actually in everyone and everyone uses these words systemic. They're like, you know, I, I, you, I'm, I know that racism is systemic. And yet individually, when you call them out, they'll, they'll be like, well, it's not me. You can't say that. And so there's a disconnect between use of the word systemic and saying that racism is everywhere. But the moment you point it out individually, there's sort of people disown their own violence and racism. All right. That was uh, Dr. Aruna Kilanani, the psychiatrist in the U.S., possibly one of the most hateful 
of venal people I've heard in the media in a very long time hiding behind her her credentials and her letters, again, a certified psychiatrist, and um, doubling down, tripling down. Recently, addressing the Yale Medical School, she, uh, she talked about fantasizing. I don't know why she would bring this up while addressing the Yale Medical School. I guess uh, she feels that uh, racism is the number one health issue facing Americans. But she said that uh, she fantasized about shooting uh, any white person who crossed her path dead, shooting em- emptying her pistol into their head or something like that. And I guess that would include children. She said any white person. Just I mean, imagine, imagine someone saying that out loud and not being universally condemned. Uh, and then she's brought on this uh, television show on Al Jazeera English and triples down and, and basically, you know, says that, that white people are pathological liars. So um, do we have Carlene Nation? No, we don't. All right. So I just thought I would play that clip for you so that you know that these people actually uh, are out there. This is not a, um, you know, a cartoon person. This is an actual living, breathing, state certified psychiatrist who recently addressed the Yale Medical School. And uh, this is she talks like this. She talks like this and she's unapologetic. Uh, Anyway, it's it's very sad. And I, I wish she would stop. I wish you would stop, but it's important. Why do I play that then, you say? Because it's important that you understand that there are people out there, people with a string of letters behind their name, who poses academics and authority figures, and they think like this, but not only do they think like this, they talk like this out loud. They talk like this out loud. Uh, We should all be rather sad and uh, disturbed. All right, when we come back, I have a, a very important story for you. And I have the, uh, the woman who broke this story. She's the managing editor at Red State. It's a conservative political blog. Maybe you've seen it. Her name is Jen Van Lahr. And uh, she's reporting that a high-ranking Chinese defector working with the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency has direct knowledge of China's bioweapon program. And it's very, very very bad. According to her sources, Ben Van Lars sources, that high-ranking defector uh, is being, I guess, sort of protected by the DIA or shielded by the DIA. Not even the CIA or the FBI know about it uh, because the DIA apparently is concerned that there are Chinese spies or sources inside the FBI and the CIA and several other federal agencies. Now, this defector, again, has information on the origins of the Wuhan virus. China is trying to produce variants that suggest it came from bats to cover up that coronavirus originally came from a lab. This, uh, this... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. 
Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Defector is saying U.S. intelligence has a Chinese defector with Wuhan info. And uh, China is trying to produce variants that suggest it came from bats to cover up that coronavirus uh, that, it, that it came from a lab. And the defector has been with the DIA for three months, has provided an extensive, technically detailed debrief to U.S. officials. And in the DIA's assessment, the information provided by the defector is legitimate. That, according to Jen Van Lahr from Red State. And she joins me next. Stay tuned. The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM continues in three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. All right. Welcome back. So as I um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, this is a uh, this is a big story, folks, a high ranking Chinese defector working within the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency has direct knowledge of uh, China's bioweapons program. And it's uh, it's pretty chilling. Uh, Jennifer Van Lahr is Red State's managing editor. And uh, this is really her story. Jennifer, Jen, welcome. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. So uh, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to reveal your sources, but how did how did this story come to you? Well, at Red State, we've been looking into a lot of things with Wuhan and with the origins of the coronavirus and with, in particular, funding of gain-of-function research by both NIH, by EcoHealth Alliance, and by potentially other uh, groups within the U.S. government. So we had already been kind of looking around there, talking to sources when the information about the defector came up. And do we know the, the identity of this defector yet? We do. Um, just yesterday, it, it wasn't brought out by me. Uh, another uh, group called Spy Talk published the name of the defector, Dong Jinwei, and he was um, in the Ministry of State Security and headed their counterintelligence efforts and also a close personal friend of uh, President Xi. All right. And so what what is he telling U.S. defense intelligence officials about this bioweapons program, is he is he claiming that the, that uh, the uh, COVID nineteen was in fact deliberately manufactured at the virology lab in Wuhan? Yes, he definitely is claiming that, I and mean, he brought he uploaded to the dark web terabytes of data before he left China, and brought with him either a laptop or some kind of storage device with all of this information. So obviously, there's quite a bit. Of information, but one thing for sure that we know is that there was a, a Wall Street Journal article that came out about a week and a half ago talking about this amino acid sequence, a, a double CGG sequence, which is what kind of supercharged that virus into what we know is as SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, and that was not publicly really available before this defector came. That's information that he gave that was then given to Stanford University without Stanford knowing where it came from with, uh, and those researchers were told, hey, can you look into this and see if this is true, if there is this amino acid chain and COVID-19? Well, those researchers found out that when China 
provided a genome sequence at the beginning of the pandemic, they omitted that part in the top line of the paper. But within the, the supporting documents, it did have that CGG, double CGG chain. And that's known as kind of a marker for when something has been genetically engineered. Right. It doesn't appear in nature. Uh, or right. if it, it does, does they've never found it. If it does appear, they've never found right. it. And so unless you were looking for it, uh, you would just you would automatically maybe assume, which is maybe what they intended, that this was a naturally occurring. You know, it went from, as John Stewart said recently, a pangol kissed a turtle or something. And then, you know, vavoom, <laughs> right. here we go. Something ridiculous like that. But it's also to, if a virologist looked at it from what I've been told from multiple sources, if this sequence was in the published genome at first, any virologist that would have jumped out at them because that's known as a marker for when they engineer a virus. All right. And so what's curious is to me is why the uh, the the uh, DIA is kind of, I don't know, shielding this person or keeping him them him deep within there. I think the, the term was their clandestine services. In other words, the CIA didn't even know about this person. The FBI didn't know about this person. They were totally caught off guard by this information. What's going on here? Right. And the White House didn't even know about the information until about three to four weeks ago. And a lot of that is because of uh, some ongoing counter intel operations that were already happening that DIA was heading up. Uh, to find moles or assets that the Chinese had within State Department, CIA, FBI, and even other agencies of the government like NIH. Well, that's a huge story all on its own. In other words, the DIA is is telling us that the United States government at, at many levels, uh, in many institutions, have a, a China spy problem. That's a huge story all on its own. It is. And we've all known that there's been some kind of China spy problem uh, for a, wa- a long time, but to have this confirmation of it. And so there's kind of a battle going on within the intelligence community because because of all of this. And so DIA chose to keep his existence to themselves while they vetted a lot of the information, because, like I said, it's a lot of information and they wanted to cross check with things that they already had to see how if it lined up with it. How long has this defector been with the DIA? Since mid-February. And so the DIA knew, has known for four months about this, about the the origin, the origin? Uh, I'm not sure how soon into the investigation of his information that that all came out, but definitely for a couple of months. And if you notice, you'll see what was at the beginning of May that Rand Paul started really going after Fauci about the origins and the gain of function research. And a lot of that had to do with he is one of the senators that has been briefed on some of these things. The timing is very interesting. And then, of course, Fauci's emails being uh, revealed through a FOIA request. Nothing in uh, in Washington is uh, coincidental. All right, uh, uh, Jen, just hold on. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and discuss this very important story. Uh, some more. Jennifer Van Lahr, Red State's Managing Editor. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. 
Hey, Richard Serrett here, along with the wilderness doc, Cass Ingram. I keep hearing about how black seed oil is good for so many things, Cass. Tell me more. It's huge for the heart and also the digestion and elimination, plus the skin. It was Nefertiti's beauty secret. So then if you have skin conditions, use the black seed oil topically and internally. And for your heart, lungs, kidneys, digestive system, wonderful capsules are available with fennel and cumin. Check your local health food store or the oil. Just take a teaspoon every day. This is a safe thing to take daily so you don't get sick, so you keep your heart good and you stay strong in your digestive tract, skin, renal support, and more. Freshly cold pressed black seed oil from North American Urban Spice available at fine health food stores across the GTA. Order online at oregano.com. That's O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L. 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 Cold pressed black seed oil from oregano.com. All right, I tell you what, we could use a couple hundred Gen Van Lars from a red state up here in Canada because we don't have a functioning mainstream media. We don't have a functioning fourth estate. Uh, in an exclusive story at Red State, Jen Van Lar is reporting that sources inside the intelligence community say a high-ranking defector from China has been working for months with the U.S. In uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA. And uh, according to Van Lar's confidential sources, that high-ranking defector claims to have knowledge of special weapons programs in China that include bioweapons, and he has revealed that the um, the Chinese are the communist Chinese are deliberately manufacturing these variants. So, Jen, if true, I mean that's that sounds almost like a an admission that that uh, this is a declaration of war. I mean, what do you what's your takeaway from this? If we have a a defector saying yes, they did it, they did it on purpose, they unleashed it on the world. I mean. What does that sound like to you? That's exactly what it sounds like to me. I hate to even say it because I know where that leads and it's not a world that I want to be in. But, you know, we don't always get to choose the world that we live in. We have to deal with the reality of it. They're still uh, developing more weapons. Part of what I was told was that the reason that Chinese students came back early on their student visas in January of 2020 was a lot of them had specific assignments within the, where they were studying in the universities to find out different things about our pandemic response and report back things that wouldn't be publicly available, things about supply chain, about medical uh, equipment shortages, hospital bed shortages, public policy. This was like a big war game for them to find out exactly how we respond to things. My word, if, if that's true, uh, we should be canceling student visas immediately. All I agree. Them. All of yeah. them. Even before this, oh. I, I've, I've worked on different things. And, and I know that any of them that are sent over here, the only reason they're allowed to study here is because the Chinese government, the Communist Party, allows them to and has something over their heads. So you're never getting a fully independent person. And every bit of knowledge that they get is going right back to Beijing. Right. Even So in other words, even if they don't have ties to the Communist Party, they have family back in China that may be. So in other words, they may be coerced into to, to doing these things. So it's not necessarily their fault. However, as a, uh, a national security issue, and I think we have to cast a pretty wide net where this is concerned. Um, now, I want to just get back to uh, my gosh, there's just so many places to go here. Um, I want to get back to the um, the FOIA request that led to Fauci's emails being revealed. So is is the timing there also connected to this defector? Tell me about that. You know, I'm not 
hundred percent sure on that one because I know BuzzFeed had done a uh, the FOIA request on that and they got expedited processing. Well, we have other sources that have told Red State certain documents from people, certain keyword terms in people's emails to FOIA, which we did nearly a month ago. And just yesterday got a, a reply that we don't qualify for expedited processing because we're not disseminators of information. Basically that we're not a news agency and that we would have to pay for it. So now I'm fighting that battle too. Because they know, they know, they know what will happen if Red State gets a hold of their emails. Right, right. And and in those emails, Fauci had this ongoing correspondence with his counterpart in in China, and the relationship. I mean, I know you can't read too much into emails, but uh, the they seem to have a kind of a cozy relationship. Um, and and Fauci was not asking. This is very peculiar. He wasn't asking his counterpart in communist China any pointed questions about, hey, where did this where did this virus come from? Uh, is it man made? He didn't ask any of that. Basically, it was just, well, we're going to fight this together. Uh, it seems to me. And, and of course, we all watched with fascination uh, Rand Paul's uh, grilling of, of Dr. Fauci. It seems to me like maybe the, the vultures are circling. Well, do you think there's a, another penny yet to drop from this defector with regards to Fauci? I believe that's very highly possible. I haven't specifically been set, told anything about Fauci, but I do know that there are at least two military agencies that I've been told to get records from that do medical type of research uh, that could shed more light on this. Uh, I think if I were in Fauci's place and I this pandemic starts happening, I'm going to be grilling that guy. I don't care if that Chinese CDC guy is my friend. I'm going to say, hey, you know, with all due respect, I, I have to ask you this. Did this come from your lab? Could it have come from your lab? How do we determine? You, you go and ask them hard questions if you're a professional. Exactly. And, and how is the NIH funding of this gain of function research uh, connected to the, the Chinese bioweapon um, uh, work. We'll uh, we'll pick up on that point when we come back. Jen Van Lahr is Red State's managing editor, and she's here with an amazing story. It's her exclusive. Uh, we'll share more when we come back. Back to the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show, News Talk Saga, nine sixty a.m. And we're back with Jen Van Lahr, Red State's managing editor. Before we proceed, Jen, uh, tell us how do we uh, read your blog. You can find me at redstate.com and on Twitter at Jen Van Lar. All right. Just uh, give us uh, the, uh, the the URL once again. Redstate.com. All right. So if this is all true, this Chinese defector saying, you know, he has been working with the, uh, the child, he has knowledge of the Chinese bioweapons program, that the COVID-19 virus was created in a lab or the, the virus responsible for COVID-19 was created in a lab deliberately. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the DIA is, is, you know, keeping him deep undercover because they're worried about Chinese spies in the CIA, in the state department, in the FBI, other agencies. This has to be characterized as perhaps one of the greatest, uh, greatest national security failures, certainly since 9-11. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And the the ramifications are just terrifying because 
what happens when you can't have trust in any government agency. I mean, I'm not big on trusting government in general, but you still have to have certain government functions that everyone can trust and believe in that, that they're solid and that they're not corrupted. And if all of this is true, we really don't have many institutions like that. Uh, so should we be expecting Senate hearings uh, very soon uh, again, rounding up the usual suspects, Anthony Fauci, other members of NIH, perhaps even people like uh, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, who were kind of drafted by Fauci to to help with the covid messaging. Um, they have to be asked, what did you know? When did you know it? Right. In a, a normal world where where we have functioning um, agencies in government. Yes. And I do believe that people like uh, Devin Nunez or Rand Paul or Tom Cotton will make try to make those hearings happen. And I know that they've already subpoenaed a lot of the documents, so we'll see. Now, I don't know if you can answer this. We're, we're sitting up here in Canada. We have a, a crime minister, I call him, uh, who, um, who has stated his admiration for China's basic dictatorship a number, on a number of occasions. We have a, a level four bio lab in Winnipeg uh, where two Chinese national scientists recently, well, 2019, were removed from that lab. They had somehow gained security clearance to work there. Uh, the RCP, RCMP uh, then revoked their, um, their clearance. They were kicked out. It was revealed that they had sent samples of uh, Ebola and the um, hepnovirus, samples of those two viruses back to Wuhan. I'm just wondering, you know, if if this defector may have information about the uh, the level four lab in in Winnipeg as well, and and you know we're being assured uh, by the liberal government up here that there's you know no connection to the COVID, but I mean who knows? They're, they they are refusing. They have refused three orders from the House of Commons to turn over documents relating to this investigation. Uh, they're not allowed to do that. This is a violation. But they're very they're in a panic mode. It would appear. Do you think this defector might have some information about our lab up in Winnipeg? I mean, if that was tied in with the gain of function research, and I know that it wasn't just SARS viruses that the bat lady was working on. She was also working on Ebola viruses. So it sounds like their work could have all coincided. So I would think there's a very good chance that he would have information on, on their all of their bio warfare systems. You think that the DIA would be willing to share that information with um well, probably not our government. They, I don't know that they could be trusted with it, but perhaps with um, a parliamentary uh, you know, um, committee dealing with national security. Right. And I would think and hope that those conversations are already underway. Like I said, they're still going through a lot of the information that this guy has. So going to be done with it. And so I hope that in France, everywhere else, Australia, that we'll all be able to work together. This, Jen, you have uncovered what may, I mean, this is a Pulitzer Prize, I think, for you. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for you, unfortunately, because we know how these things work. They're very political. But uh, is this the biggest story you've ever uncovered? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a big story a few years ago that led to a congresswoman resigning um, after she had had some sexual relationships with her staff. But I think this one is much bigger. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. One final question. And again, I don't know if this is something you can answer, but we, we had reports that there was a, um, a Chinese official, a Chinese scientist who had supposedly um, received a patent for a vaccine for the, the same uh, virus responsible for COVID uh, before the outbreak. So she had a patent for a vaccine before the outbreak, and now she has mysteriously turned up dead. Have you heard about this? And, and can you shed any light on it? I have. And so there's one of my reporters, Scott Hounsel um, at Red State, who has worked on this particular part of the story. And I'm not sure if he's published his findings not or, or yet or not, but you can definitely check out Red State and search for Scott Hounsel and see what he's got on it. All right. Jen, again, uh, congratulations. I wish we had 100 of you like like you up here. We desperately need real journalists, real investigative journalists. Fantastic job. And I hope you'll join us again. Thank you. Can you give us uh, the, uh, the the URL once again so that we can read the Red State blog? Sure. Redstate.com. Redstate.com. All right. That's simple. Jen, thank you again. Thank you. First, we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is <laughs> The Limb Riddler. It's Friday. We made it, Lim Riddler. How are you? The Lim Riddler joins us uh, every Friday at this hour for this week's Lim Riddle Clues. Now, is the Lim Riddler a dad? Is the Lim Riddler going to celebrate Father's Day? Indeed. The, uh, the Lim Riddler has four little leprechauns of his own, but they're all kind of in their <laughs> 20s, 30s, so they're, they're not so little. All right. Well, they're still little because they're uh, they're leprechauns. They're leprechauns, after all. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, again, tell folks how limb riddles work. Well, you're you're essentially solving for one word. Uh, the the limb riddle contains, in this case, four clues, and they all point to the same word, but it has different meanings, and that's what's intended to throw you off. Um, today's limb riddle is entitled okay. "Sofa's Surprise." All right. And, uh, and it goes like this. The handsome and horse launched the cabriolet, a bond with a call on the equity play. The sofa's surprise, it's a bed in surprise. Leaf fans back halves as they're still in the fray. Ooh, delicious, delicious. One more time, Lim Riddler. Okay, I'll do, I'll do it one more time. If you know the answer, I get it into uh, info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line. Here we go again. A handsome and a ho- horse launched the cabriolet, a bond with a call on the equity play. The sofa's surprised it's a bed in disguise. Leaf fans back halves as they're still in the fray. 
All right, Lim Riddler, thank you. And again, people can go to limriddles.com, limriddles.com, and they can subscribe there. Uh, and then they have the uh, the clues delivered right to their email inbox, right? Exactly. All right. And Super. I and I will be back at uh, just before the news at six to reveal this week's uh, Lim Riddles answer and to announce the names of the winners. Don't forget, send in your response at info at limriddles.com. Info at limriddles.com. Don't forget to put 960 as in Saga 960 in the subject line so we know you heard it right here on the radio. All right, Lim Riddler, happy Father's Day. And have a great weekend, Richard. Talk to you, you later. You too. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hey, Richard! Hello, yes. Can I help you? Richard! The Richard Serrett Show continues on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome to Hour 2 of the uh, Radio Free Canada. Uh, coming up a little bit later this hour, Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun will be here and we'll talk about uh, the uh, defacing and toppling of uh, statues belonging to people like Sir Johnny MacDonald and Egerton Ryerson, uh, Winston Churchill. Who's next? The question is, and, and th- these statues are not being defaced and toppled um, only by the uh, mob uh, vandals, but also by order of certain city councils. Kingston has just voted to take down a statue of uh, Sir John A. Macdonald and uh, Regina did earlier this year. So the question is, you know, where does it end? I, I heard a, uh, a broadcaster uh, up in Ottawa actually compare Sir John A. Macdonald to Hitler and Mussolini. Well, he did. And then he's tried to sort of worm his way out of it saying, well, I'm not saying he's Hitler and Mussolini, but the point is he said, well, well we don't have statues to Hitler and Mussolini in those countries. So why would we have a statue of Sir John A. Macdonald? But I'm not comparing them to Hitler and Mussolini. Well, I think you just did. And that's just sick. That's just sick. Uh, also, just in time for Father's Day, which is uh, coming fast, folks. So, uh, you know, get your shopping done now. Expecting something big at the breakfast table. Beautifully wrapped. Or maybe not. Here you go, Fajer. It's a McDonald's gift certificate. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Do I sound ungrateful? Not at all. Not at all. No, my boys are good. They're gold. They're gold, except for that Fajer bit. Uh, well, anyway, we'll, um, we'll talk to the executive producer of a, a powerful uh, new film. It's called The Streets Were My Father. Lee Habib will be here and uh, tells the story of... Uh, uh, hopelessness and homelessness and uh, street gang life, ultimately prison and then redemption and, and the, the importance of fathers, uh, both earthly and heavenly. All right. Before we get to all of that. News, not in the news. The news. All right. Once again, Holden Regions. Seven times, seven years running, father of the year, Lou Skeezus. Well, thank you, Richard. You know, it's a little known fact uh, about the accolades you just uh, intoned. So thank you very much for sharing it. 
All right. Uh, we'll get on to some other matters here. But while we're in uh, the, uh, the Father's Day mode, let me ask you this. What would you say, talking about your, your dad, was the, the best advice your father ever gave you? Uh, you know, my father uh, worked in the maritime industry, which is essentially a pirate industry, right? So uh, ships go missing, cargoes go mis- missing and that sort of thing. Bankers are induced with bribes to fund the purchases of ships and stuff like that. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that was... Um, you know, yeah, yeah, I know Paul Martin, for example, you know, his he was in the shipping business and he, he was, you know, he had um, fly, uh, flying foreign flags on his ships. I don't know. What was that? Like a, a tax well, loophole or something? Well, it's just, you know, you get uh, more shielding of your assets, right? right? A foreign flag ship causes some trouble, like the one that uh, got stuck in the Suez Canal. Right. Right. Oh, what is that company? It's a folder in a lawyer's office in Panama. Good luck getting any compensation. So anyway, uh, you know, he was telling me a story about bankers writing mortgages on ships with very little collateral. And the inducement was an envelope full of uh, money for those bankers. And he said to me, Lou, don't ever take anything unless you're going to take it all. In other words, don't take chump change. If you're going to consider a life of crime, Get a big bag of dough so you can go back to Greece where there's no uh, extradition uh, treaty. I said, okay, Dad, if I decide that I want to pursue a life of crime, I'm going to, you know, really take that under advisement and, um, you know, and make sure that I have my game together. I mean, there's nothing worse than the, you know, the rookie mistakes people make in pursuing a life of crime. So that was the uh, best advice he gave me. Right. Like leaving your DNA at the scene, that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. You got to, right. you know, you got and not that he was in, uh, in advising that, but, you know, if you're going to be doing something where the penalty is jail time, right? right. You better be good at it or else you're going to be spending a lot of your time with violent companions at the Crowbar Hotel. There you go. There you go. Violent Companions at the Crowbar. I like that. That should be the name of our next album, Lou. <laughs> and our little garage band here. Uh, it's funny you say that, you know, talking about the shipping industry, because my father's advice to me, my late father said, you know, not ex- in these exact words, but um, the sentiment is, you know, build the ship that you sail in. Build right. the ship that you sail in. In other words, you know, create your life for yourself. Don't be dependent on other people. You know, become a self-made person. And, uh, you know, preaching self-reliance and all those things. Build the ship that you sailed in. Or, you know, the alternative is be the self-married man you want to be. You know, find Miss Portfolio and make sure you walk (laughs) her in the purse right down the aisle. There you go. The most important financial decision you'll ever make, right? (laughs) Is who you marry. Damn right. That's it. That's it. Worst advice? Uh, I think the worst advice was... Um, you know, um, don't study what you want to study, study what I tell you to study. Uh Right. So, you know, my passion then and now is still history. And I just wanted to study history, be a historian, but that was discouraged. And I followed that bad advice. Well, you made out all right. I did, but you know, like if you have something you're passionate about, and you're dissuaded from doing that, and you go on to another path and you figure out the finagle on that, yeah, all good. 
right? But it's right. not the same of uh, as you know being fully embraced by something, right? But isn't that idea of you know we're always told follow your bliss, follow your passion? Not but in my household. No, no. But shouldn't it be follow opportunity? It's good to follow opportunity, but if you don't really want to be there, you'll miss more opportunities than if you followed what you wanted to. At least in my case, I love history. I, you know, I still consume a lot of history. I apply history to my analytics and so on, right? Right. So but you, you wanted know, to be a you wanted to be a history professor. Well, you I wanted to be a historian. An historian. All right. You know, and right. look into, you know, human behavior through the ages so we could see what kind of stupid monkeys we have been and are most likely to continue behaving like. Speaking of which, speaking of which. Yes. There was a report today that I read in the paper about um, some of the findings of an inquiry into the sexual harassment in the Canadian Armed Forces. I don't know if you followed that. Well, you know what? I, I wish I could be get on top of that story. It's important because, you know, but there's just so many things happening. I've kind of let that one go. So please, yeah, give us uh, yeah. some details. So, I mean, the headline that I read was that the recommendation of this parliamentary uh, committee was that they should get more women into the, uh, into the armed forces. And I said, are you out of your mind? You know, they've already sexually abused most of the women that have participated in their farce. And, you know, what, you need more recruits? No, no, right. we meant, like, get them to the top. I said, really? You've got a failed institution. you got creepy leaders. you got leaky boats and creaky planes. Please clean it out, that rat's nest. Clean it out before you bring in new victims. Right, right. Yeah, they've got a sexual assault problem in the armed forces. And so they they're saying the solution is send us more victims, send us more potential victims. Right. And I'm looking at it and saying, who are you people? Don't you realize that you've got a serious problem and you've had one report and one commission and one white paper after another over decades and done nothing? No, don't recruit any new people. I say shut it all down. Your equipment sucks and your leadership sucks. Stop it. You're kind of soft peddling, Lou. How do you really feel? I'm telling you exactly how <laughs> I feel when I see outrageous nitwits, yeah. right? Uh, you know, preying on vulnerable players. No, I agree. I agree 100 percent. Yeah, it's just it. It's a mess. It's a clown show, a colossal clown show top to bottom in this country. I mean, the rot, the rot is just incredible. I don't where do we begin? You just got to like, burn the house down and start over. Well, or, you know, uh, just have the fortitude, get some leadership and say, yeah, we're going to clean out this level of crap. I mean, look at the Ontario government today with their uh, cabinet shuffle. Right. Deck chairs Ron on the Titanic. Phillips got another ride. He exactly. shouldn't be cleaning out the porta potties at Ford Fest, for God's sakes. You're darn he right. Is now, he is now the minister of long term care. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. 
The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Right. And oh, then they took, the, they took the big fail, Fullerton, uh, you know, under her watch. Thousands of uh, our seniors died, were, were abused and neglected and died in their own filth for crying out loud. And what do they do? They make her the minister responsible for, wait for it, children. Yeah. So I look at that and say, you know, where do you start? Start at the top. You go to the ballot box, anybody but. That's the beginning. And if you don't get it right that time, just keep pushing the next button and find somebody with the courage to stop this insanity. All right. We have just enough time for the German word of the day, Lou. Bring we'll it put on. a cherry Wait, on this Sunday. Jody. Hey, Jody, how much time do we really have? Wait. One minute. Quickly there, Heinz. Okay, here we go. The German word of the day is Torschlusspanik. Torschlusspanik. The literal translation, Lou, is gate shut panic. The meaning, uh, how propitious. The fear of time running out. Torschluss panic. The fear of time running out. We're out of time. I've got Torschluss panic. I've got Torschluss panic. Torschluss panic. Relax. I went to the uh, Christian Ronaldo school. I'm not going to stop talking. There you go. There you go. I'm going to go way over clock. All right. There he goes. Jody's not even paying attention. We're okay. Oh, she looks up. Oh, is she angry? I can't tell. She can't hear us. No, All she's, right. she's looking for the grappling hook, though. She's searching under her desk for the grappling hook. All right, Luke. You have a happy Father's Day and a wonderful weekend, my friend. All right. We'll talk next week. Happy Catholic. Happy capitalism. All right, Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun. When does this statue toppling madness end? Back with that story in three minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Well, I mentioned statues of Sir John A. and Egerton Ryerson. Just about any other dead white guy you can think of are being uh, taken out down either by a mob of vandals or by a vote by city council, as in the case of the city of Kingston. You know, the question again is, uh, who is next? Uh, why stop with Sir John A. and, and Ryerson? Why not uh, Tommy Douglas, uh, who wrote his thesis about um, the wonders of eugenics and why we should sterilize uh, people with low IQ? Of course, he later redeemed himself, right? He, he, he later uh, disavowed that, which is, which is important. Right. We need a, we need to allow people to redeem themselves. And I think if you look uh, at Sir Johnny MacDonald um, as a whole, he did more good than harm. I mean, his intention was to educate Native Canadian children. Of course, they went about it in entirely the wrong way. And, and taking children from ripping the ch- children from their families was ab- abhorrent. Um, but it's it's far more. Subtle and the, the, the argument and, 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 and history uh, than that. So anyway, we were hoping to speak with uh, Joe Warmington. I don't know whether we have Joe. So what I wanted to do, we had uh, Dr. Byron Bridle on yesterday, along with uh, Derek Sloan and Dr. Patrick Phillips. They had a press conference up in Ottawa talking about suppression and censorship of um, med- medicine. Uh, so I want to. Oh, we do have Joe Warmington. All right. 
Okay, we'll save Dr. Bridal for uh, another time. Let's get uh, Joe Warmington in here, a good friend of the program and a terrific writer, reporter at the Toronto Sun. Hey, Joe, how are you? Uh, doing pretty pretty well. Thanks for, for having me. And uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, very difficult times in Canada and I experienced that today. Yeah, uh, you, you tweeted out this um, video of Sir John A. Macdonald's statue being, you know, they had an, an, basically a noose around uh, the statue's, you know, neck area and they were trying to uh, to remove it. And it turned out to be a little tougher than they imagined. It's been there for, what, about 120 years or something. 126 years. Yeah. Where was that statue again? It's right down in City Park, right in front of, if anyone knows Kingston, it's kind of in front of the courthouse down closer to the waterfront it's in between the downtown and queen's university and it's uh it's quite a nice park there and uh, you know the sir johnny is kind of like a rite of passage it's been there my whole life and uh you know i guess uh things have changed and uh it's yeah it was uh, it was pretty emotional to see that and uh, it was emotional on both sides because there was people indigenous uh supporters and you know, members of the community, things like that. They were there. They see it a lot differently. They they think it's a great thing that it came down. And then you've got the some veterans and people like that that were there that were really upset to see it come down. So it was it was quite a dramatic, you know, few hours there in right. uh, Kingston. Right. I'm still in Kingston now, but you know, talking to people about it, uh, like they, they, you know, it's very very divided. Sure, sure. Uh, which is you know. Maybe a, a case for keep, keeping the statue up there because it gets the, the conversation going. And I think one of the conversations that well, has to be made is, you know, where do we stop with this madness? I mentioned earlier, Tommy Douglas, you know, Canada's greatest Canadian, supposedly, wrote his thesis in university about the wonders of eugenics and how we should sterilize idiots, as they called them back then, or imbeciles, I think was the, uh, the very unkind uh, you know, designation, and also people of low moral standing. This was the thinking at the time. Uh, he later redeemed himself and disavowed that. But Sir Johnny MacDonald was very progressive in many ways. I mean, he stood up for women's rights way like decades before it was fashionable. You know, he took a stand uh, against slavery and said, we will not return runaway slaves from this country. We will not do it. So, you know, we have to take everything into account, don't you uh, think? He did. Um, you know, and, and even with the First Nations, uh, you know, like... Uh, a lot of that was negotiations, you know, like some of the speeches you hear. I've talked to historians about it. And you know, if you go into and they go any kind of negotiations and you hear what's going on in the room and then what's agreed to, or they're, they're different things. You can take them out of context is what I'm saying. I'm not su- suggesting for a minute that there weren't issues and problems and there were, and they need to be addressed and talked about, but you know, to take this statue down and have people, uh, think that that's going to make things better it 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 just isn't and um you're right where does it stop i mean what's next who's next we saw what they did with don cherry and uh i think people should be afraid now because i think once uh you get through this threshold of taking down the first prime minister everything's fair game after that and interesting you mentioned tommy douglas i hadn't thought of that today i have thought of that other times one thing that really jumped out at me though is the current times with the pandemic and the decisions that leaders have made you know, do you look through them through the lens, even really in real time, like the AstraZeneca example? You know, they they told you to take the vaccine that was first available. Many people did that in good spirit, and then they turned around and now they tell them to mix and match, and they, you know, they banned it. They don't have enough. So, is anyone in trouble for that, or is the attitude look? They they did the best they could with what they knew, 
And, um, you know, the, the decisions were made based on that. And I think that's probably the better way to go. But if you're going to apply these rules the way you've applied them to Sir Johnny McDonald, uh, then, you know, sky's the limit. I mean, there's all kinds of people that have done things that they shouldn't have done and decisions made. And, of course, the biggest and more, most important thing is the context of the time. And that seems to be glossed over. Uh, but it, it shouldn't be because it's really important. Right. You made an excellent point, uh, Joe, bringing it uh, back to, you know, the response to COVID and the mistakes that have been made. And, and uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen to people that had, you know, cases of a heart inflammation as a result of taking a COVID vaccine. Will we look back on those decisions in 20 years and say, you know, what horrible people who were pushing people, coercing people to take these vaccines? Uh, Joe, always appreciate your, uh, your time on the program and uh, terrific writing and work at the Toronto Sun. Thank you, torontosun.com. There's video there. There's a new column up, and I appreciate it very much, Richard. You have a great weekend. Very, very difficult day in the history of Canada, and it's good to be with you. All right. Please uh, give our best to uh, Sue Ann Levy, who is uh, retiring from the sun after 31 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big loss, uh, but good for her. She's earned it. Absolutely. All right. All the best, Joe. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Just in time for Father's Day, a new film serves as a powerful reminder about the importance of, well, fathers back with more in a moment the bull session continues on the richard serrett show news talk saga 960 a.m my relationship with my dad you know there was no discipline i just i just missed that father-son relationship where most kids have with their dad. I never met him as my father per se. I was introduced to him um, when I was 21 years old and people were telling me that he was my dad and when I asked him, he denied it. So I remember growing up and I clung to the streets because that's all I had and the streets were my father. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. There you go. Very powerful new film called The Streets Were My Father. And that's a uh, a clip. And the uh, executive producer is Lee Habib, the CEO and host of Our American Stories, a nationally syndicated nonprofit storytelling show heard on 330 stations across the country. He's also a weekly Newsweek essayist. And he joins me now. Hey, Lee, thanks for being here. How are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is a, a powerful film and uh, I think a powerful reminder as we uh, head into a Father's Day weekend about the important role of fathers. There are, I guess, five men that are in this film. The streets were my father. Talk to me about the things that they all had in common. Well, they had either no father or a really abusive father. In one case, a father who was a gang member who was never there and taught his son to never smile and to put on tough front because that's how you get respect on the streets, being tough. So these were the circumstances for these folks, these guys and their lives and their, and their trajectory of their lives. Um, they soon found that the streets were their father, literally. Uh, the gangs were their father. Um, the gangs were their family. And the gangs were their protection. And the gangs were their fun. Um, they had a lot of adventures until those adventures, well, ended up not being such, such uh, real adventures. In the end, they landed them in prison. Uh, but prison, in the end, was sort of graduation for some of these guys. One of them confessed that it was, uh, he had gone too long without being in prison. And so what an upside-down world that gets created when we take fathers out of the equation. And I think there's been a social experiment running around for the last 20 to 30 years in some of the Western democracies, and that is, do we not need fathers in the house? And, of course, there are great single moms, and they do a great job, and they do everything they can to love their kids. And there are many men who abandon this responsibility, so uh, shame on them. Um, but we now know the consequence in terms of all the data, and this is internationally, about what happens when boys in mass don't have fathers. How did you find these five gentlemen? Yeah, well, it started with five on our radio show, and, and ultimately we narrowed it down to three archetypes for the film. Our, we have a nationally syndicated radio show that's just open storytelling. And our audience fell in love, not with the fact that these guys were fatherlessness, fatherless, but that they broke the cycle of fatherlessness. Because in the end, there's a cycle to it, just as you can find that alcoholism runs through generations and certain uh, other problems in life do. Well, if you don't have a father, where do you learn fathership? And, and if your father's father didn't have it, in one case here, Carlos Colon, his father's father's father wasn't there, his father's father, and then his, him, and then he had a son out of wedlock, and he did 20 years in jail. So his son grew up without a father until he got out of jail and never returned. And he's since, for the last 10 years, been a father to his son. And so we found them through our mass storytelling operation. We're on 320 stations around the country, and we ask a simple question. We don't want to know what's not working. Everybody can turn on the news and find out what the problems are. We want to go to the world that is working. We want the good news. What are some of the problems? We got it. What are some of the answers to those problems? What's working in a neighborhood? And this one man, Manny Mill, the Christian guy, had a ministry, a prison ministry. And he was going in and visiting these guys in the prisons with his team. And then when these guys came out of jail, he was meeting them at the gate. And then he was giving them skills and working on reintegrating these guys into society so they could tap their God-given potential. And by the way, this is repeating itself all over America. Uh, Christian groups particularly are doing yeoman's work in this field. But there are some amazing secular groups that are doing beautiful work here, too. And for some reason, that doesn't make the news, or it gets two seconds at the end of a news uh, folder as a little tag on after the murders, the fires, and the mayhem. Um, and I think this is the main bias of modern media. Uh, some people think it leans to the left. I'm one of those. But the big bias, I believe, is the bias of the train wreck. And, and that this is the idea that if it bleeds, it leads. And it's true, but I think people also want to be ennobled and they want to be uplifted. And our show has been getting incredible ratings and growth 
all through the United States because we're telling positive and redemptive stories about a good and decent people. The American people are good and decent. As people around the world are good and decent, trying to do good and decent things. It's the governments, mostly, that are bad and create bad circumstances for people around the world. On the sub-Saharan continent, in the Middle East, where my family hails from, uh, China has got its set of problems with its government. They're moving in the right direction economically. But my goodness, the crackdown on civil and human rights is abhorrent. And so we, 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 what we have here in America and in Western democracies is pretty special. It's pretty special. It's not perfect, but it's pretty special. Lee Habib, executive producer of The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption. We'll come back in a moment. We'll tell you how you can watch. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. My father would beat on my mom uh, regularly. They would have people over the house partying, drinking, listening to music, uh, and they left me and my brother just let us be by ourselves. I didn't understand what care and compassion. Uh, I hadn't been taught any of those things. I hadn't witnessed any of those things. So I was unfamiliar with how I should feel. So I just felt numb, like, okay, so what? She did, she did, he did, he did. Man, I miss my father and I want him to be here with me, but he's not. And it was just this emptiness of him not being there. And then in some weird way, you know, in a 15 year old person's mind, I just thought if I became him, I mean, literally became him, then I would feel like he's with me. Like I would kind of be him and it make me feel close to him. So I remember I would start dressing like he dressed, acted how he acted. I started using drugs and alcohol. Uh, and I just really didn't even care about anybody, including myself. I wanted a father to, to be able to discipline me and say, look, this is the wrong way to go. I wanted, I desired to have a father who, 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 who would tell me that what I did was wrong. Lee Habib is with us, the executive producer of The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption, a powerful film just in time for Father's Day this coming weekend. Lee, how do we watch? You can go to SalemNow.com, that's Salem, S-A-L-E-M, now.com, or just Google The Streets Were My Father, and you can stream it, you can rent it, you can buy it, uh, you can get discs, any of the above. But I would urge people who are good fathers to watch this movie with your family, too. Sometimes kids who have good dads want perfect dads, and they start to chip around at the edges of their father because he did this or that they didn't like. What they don't understand, and I think too often people can't, is when something is not present, that's when you understand what a father is. And so if you have a father, you need to watch this film to know what, what, how lucky you are, what a privilege it is. I hear a lot, look, I'm a Lebanese and, and Sicilian, so I'm not white. But, but I hear this big term white privilege bandied around. It's such an idiotic. Uh, we must rebut this everywhere we Exactly. Find it. I, know, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> the privilege but, is, but is the having a father. Privilege. Yeah. The mm. father privilege is what matters. I would rather be a working class or poor kid with a father than a rich kid with an absent father. We know the problems of rich kids with absent fathers. Drugs, squandering the family wealth. It's a real bad photo essay watching really high net worth absent parents ruin their kids' lives. The father privilege is the only privilege that matters. And all around the world, 
There have been threats to this, attacks on this, and I'm really thrilled that women are doing great, and I've been all for the, the, the movement that says women should have rights, choice, but boy, men are now lagging far behind in every statistical curve, and this is a crisis for the world now. Again, the Western democracies, the United States particularly, um, men are really facing tough times, and it's because they don't have that role model, and that role model in the home is still the most important way to change lives, by far. There's a gentleman in the film, The Streets Where My Father, he was crying because he was recounting a time when he started to get into trouble, a little bit at first, and then, of course, it escalated. And he said, all I needed was to be able to sit on my father's lap and for him to tell me you're doing the wrong thing. Discipline, that that's the, one of the things that people that have, have gone to jail, they look back and they say, I wish I had been disciplined by my father. It's almost a source of comfort. Yeah, that was Leslie Williams. He was a he was in a gang called the Black Pea Stones, which is one of the biggest and toughest gangs. And this guy is six foot three, and he and he's huge. He's a big, tough guy. And there he is at the end of this film, crying and says, "All I wanted was a father to tell me I was doing wrong, to put me on the lap and tell me I was doing wrong." And he goes, "And I was doing wrong." And my father knew it. And then he said, "But now I have a father." And he said, "It's God the Father, and and God the Father has been teaching me the habits of being." the habits of living. And then he said this, the habits of loving. This is hard for hard men, right? Hardened men and hurt men hurt men. And this vulnerability you have to teach young masculinity is, is something that's important. And how to be vulnerable and how to love is something that doesn't come as naturally, I believe, to men as it comes to women who give birth to the child, after all. For all the talk about there's a, a, a fluid world of gender, women give birth and men don't. And I'm, I don't think that'll ever change. And something happens because women give birth, and something happens in its absence because men don't. And so how to teach this, 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 this compassion, to teach uh, strength but vulnerability. Uh, and men need to teach men that, and they need to model it more than teach it. Boys are watching us as fathers. Our sons and daughters are watching us. But if we're not here, what are they watching? The oldest guy on the street corner who's in a gang, and that 23-year-old gang member is recruiting that 13-year-old boy as a father-surrogate figure. Lee Habib, executive producer of The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. A real father shows their son that a, a, a husband and a father, a male, uses their strength to protect, not to intimidate. They use their strength to guard and to provide rather than to uh, steal or uh, criminalize. Uh, real men uh, are the roadmap that are absolutely essential for boys to follow. Habib stays with us, the executive producer of The Streets Were My Father. Lee, one more time, how do we see the film? Uh, you can go to SalemNow.com, S-A-L-E-M-Now.com. It's available to stream or rent or buy, or just type in The Streets, The Streets Were My Father, and you'll get all the, the, the needed information you'll get just by typing in the name of the film. You talked about this experiment that we, uh, we started maybe 
55, 60 years ago. Maybe it went back to Lyndon Johnson and this huge expansion of the welfare state and so forth. But where did we go wrong? How did that happen? You know, I think sometimes these things happen out of good intentions. We can do this with our own kid, right? We don't discipline our kid because we want to go a little easy. We think, ah, maybe next time. And then things things go out of control. They spiral out of control. Look, in the Great Depression, when no one had money, people didn't walk away from their parental responsibilities. In the 60s, when the economy was burning and moving, we suddenly you saw these huge spikes in followlessness among African-Americans, whites, and Hispanics. In fact, it caught the attention of Daniel Patrick Moynihan, a Democrat, who wrote a report on it, and he got called a racist for reporting about the incredible spike and increase of fatherlessness in the black community. And now, of course, it's hit every community, white, black, and Hispanic. And I think the real cause are the incentives. You know, look, if a woman is, if, if a woman is told that if a man enters the house, she loses her Medicaid, well, then why does the man want to enter the house? Right. And so how do we create rules that that encourage the man and the woman to be together, that encourage work? And I think this has been the policymakers dilemma. Right. These are not easy rules to fashion. What's easy to do is give the appearance of compassion. What's hard to do. And parents know this, too. You don't give the kid who does homework and the kid who doesn't and the kid who does his chores and the kid who doesn't the same allowance. That's really bad parenting. Incentives are what life's about, and love is what life's about. The government hasn't been very good at the incentive game, and they're terrible at the love game. There's one young man in the film who was looking at basically 300 years in prison. He was a, he was a hardened criminal. The moment he got into prison, he found God, and, and he, he was a changed person. And miraculously, almost, the, the parole board seemed to, to understand this and and he ended up serving just a, a, f- a few more years in prison and he got his life back after experiencing that story how did that change your views if at all about prison reform well look prison reform without soul reform is a, is a fruitless exercise because if you let guys out earlier and they're the same guy they're just going to come back so that's why these men are very actively involved in prison reform. Because we want to reform prison, but we want to make sure guys walk out with the skills, uh, with the new habits of mind and heart, or they're going to recidivate. They're going to come back. And, and all three of these men are very actively involved in prison ministry programs, visiting prisons, in addition to whatever other duties they have in the world. They see it as their calling uh, to visit prisons and let guys know there's hope that there's this, there's this God out there that can, can show them the way. And my goodness, faith has been a bulwark of American democracy from the beginning. There's no abolition movement without faith. There's no civil rights movement. Reverend, it was Dr. Martin Luther King, but he was a pastor, right? Everybody forgets that. And his doctorate, his doctorate was in theology. And his father was a pastor. So the, the great movements in this country have come from the pulpit. And, well, I think another one's on its way. A lot of churches are really getting involved in prison ministry programs. And they're finding that when they do, their pews are getting fuller. Because it's not Sunday church. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday church. And then you get to see a miracle. Like a man changes life. And you think, wow, that's why I'm a believer. I'm not just sitting here in a, in a sort of inert way, sitting on my bench and praying. That's important. But now what I'm doing is doing, and what I'm really doing is loving. And that's the command, to love your neighbor as yourself. And there's not an asterisk that said inmate or Democrat or progressive or Republican. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. If more of us did this and followed that command, it would just be a better 
country and a better world. It's so true. And we have to stop looking for political solutions to spiritual problems. Indeed. I think that's perfectly stated. And, and, and look, there, there's lots of good arguments to have on the political front. But again, it got, the government can't raise a child. And if you know of somebody in your neighborhood who's suffering, and, and just look, talk to a high school football coach, talk to the local school principal, the PTA. They'll give you some hints as to what kids are hurting because there's a real problem in the house. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What's the church going to do about it? What are the local citizens going to do about it? You wait too long, and that person will be breaking into your house or doing harm to your family or your neighborhood. And, and I'm seeing this more and more, the churches are taking this cue and doing this work. That's half the reason we did this film. The power of stories, the real power of stories, is their imitative power. You see something, it's inspiring, and it inspires you to do something, too. And that's why we did The Streets for My Father. Lee, congratulations, as I say, of a very powerful, important film as we roll into Father's Day weekend. The Streets Were My Father, a story of hopelessness and redemption. Lee, thank you so much for this. Thanks so much for having me. And now, your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right, here we go. Let me repeat this week's Lim Riddle clues. The handsome and horse reached, or sorry, let me start again. The, I'm not the Lim Riddler, you know? I don't have uh, his, his cachet, his gravitas. The handsome and horse launched the cabriolet a bond with a call on the equity play. The sofa's surprise? It's a bed in disguise. Leaf fans back Habs as they're still in the fray. That's week, this week's Lim Riddle. And the solution to sofa surprise was convertible. Convertible. Jody, Brandon, did you get that? No? All right, next time. All right, the uh, the first five to answer correctly were Brian Phillips of Vancouver. Congrats, Brian. Karen Searles of Thornbury, Ontario. Rob McDonald of Constance Bay, Ontario. Steve Rosen from Toronto. And Duncan Ruxton from Thunder Bay. Be sure to be listening next Friday, just before the news at five, for the next Lim Riddle clue. And then don't forget, go to limriddles.com, limriddles.com. Register there, and then you get the Lim Riddle for the week delivered right to your inbox, email inbox. And, of course, uh, be listening right here on Saga 960 every Friday at uh, this time, just before the news at 6, when I announce the uh, the answers and the winners. All right, that's it for me. Thanks to Jody and Brandon. Back Monday with the irascible but lovable Lou, the German phrase of the day, news not in the news. Dr. Patrick Phillips, our small-town family physician and lover of freedom. And Kyle Blundell, a brave barber in Carlton Place who was recently fined for giving people haircuts outside. All the while, people were dining out just a few feet away. Ridiculous. Happy Father's Day to everybody. The Brian Crombie Hour is next. Have a great weekend. And uh, until Monday at 4, don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM.
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.